Welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. So glad that you are here with us this morning. When I was in middle school, my teacher put this image on the overhead projector. And uh, she, she said to us, what can you see? And immediately some of the children raised their hands. Some of the children said, oh, we can see a elderly lady. You see the elderly lady in the image? Another one says, oh, we can see this young woman. Can you see the young woman? And then, and then she put up this second image. And she says, what do you see? She says, oh, we can see two faces. Another person says, oh, we can see a candlestick. And she put up another one and says, what do you see here? So, oh, we can see this face of a young woman. I said, oh, we can see a guy playing the saxophone. Anybody see the guy playing the saxophone? And we had this fun time in our classroom looking at different images on the screen, trying to figure out what we could see. And she reminded us that there's always more that meets the eye. That if you can turn and see things from a different perspective, you'll be better off in understanding the world. It was fun. It was kind of exciting. And last week, a friend of mine gave me one of these. It's in your program. This is not a, a slide that describes something of a different perspective. This is more of an optical illusion. It's called a magic eye. Anybody ever play the magic eye game where you look at this long enough and then all of a sudden something pops up off the screen? So uh, off the page. So I was looking at this the other day in my office or in, in the lobby there, and I was trying to figure it out, and I was looking at it, and I was staring at it, and, and, and nothing was popping up for me. And then Dan Luan, our worship leader, walked by. He says, oh, it's right there. I was like, like, right where? He says, can't you see it? I says, no. I've been staring at things for five minutes, and I can't see it. He says, well, you, you know, you got to just move the, the page back and forth, and you kind of got to relax yourself a little bit. So, so I'm relaxing myself, and, I, and I, I, I still can't see it. He says, well, here, let me help you. And he says, well, this is what you kind of got to do. You got to take your fingers, and you put them together, and all of a sudden you can see like three fingers instead of two. And so I did that. I said, just do that here. So I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm getting frustrated. And I want to see it, but I just can't see it. Anybody see it yet? Have you, have you looked at it yet? What is it? It's a heart. A heart popped out of it. But for whatever reason, I couldn't see it. You know, sometimes that's how it is in our relationship with God. You know, you know, we want to see God. We want to see God at work in our lives. We want Him just to pop up off the screen and, and reveal Himself. But sometimes we just can't see Him. We strain and we stretch and we manipulate the page and we move it in and out and we relax our eyes and we try to put our fingers together to see the third finger and, and, and we have a hard time seeing God at work in our lives. We want to see Him, but we can't, so we give up. And that's why we're doing this series. Because so often as we go through our daily routine, as we go from this activity to the next activity, sometimes we miss God. Sometimes we can't see Him at work in our family, in our workplaces, in our homes. And we all want to see Him. We all want to participate in what God's doing in our lives, but sometimes we can't see Him. Sometimes we respond the way Jacob did in the book of Genesis. Or after a dream, he responded this great phrase. He says, surely God is in this place, and I was just unaware of it. Surely God is at work in this, in this place, and I just couldn't see him at work. And so often, we can go from one activity to the next, or, or life gets hard, and we just can't see him. And if that's you this morning, if you're at a spot in your journey, and you're having a hard time seeing God at work in your life, I just want you to know that, that you're welcome here. That that's okay. That sometimes it's difficult to see God at work in our lives. And, and, and the second thing I just want you to know is that, is that seeing God is not an optical illusion. God's not playing hide and seek with us. 
In our pursuit to try to see God at work in our life, we don't have to move the page in and out. We don't have to contort it and get relaxed and then put our fingers together and pretend that we're seeing something that we're not. We don't have to strain. We don't have to pretend. We just have to return to some basic principles found in the scriptures that enable us to see God at work in our lives. See, that's what we want to do this series. We want to enable us to see him more clearly in our lives. And this morning, we just want to return to a few principles about who God is and how we can position ourselves to see him at work in the world. You know, last week we talked about this great principle. If you remember, it says, people reap what they sow. That if you sow to the Spirit, you're much more apt to see God's Spirit at work in your life. But if you sow to the sinful nature, well, you're going to reap destruction because people reap what they sow. It's just the way life works. It's just how it works. It's how God works. And, and some of you came up to me and says, you know, that was great teaching. You know, I'm taking more responsibility for my spiritual sight. But I still am not sure how to sow to the Spirit. Could you help me engage in the flow of the Spirit more specifically so that I can see God at work in my life? And if you're one of those people that want to know how to sow to the Spirit in order to see God, well, this is for you. Because this morning we just want to look at two principles, two foundational principles in our pursuit to see God. And if we apply these principles to our lives, we'll be better positioned to see God at work in our lives. And the first principle is found in John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus is toward the end of his life. He's already washed his disciples' feet. He's already had the Last Supper. And and, and he's telling his disciples that he's going away. And his disciples are a bit irritated because they want to see him. They want to participate in the movement of Jesus. And and, and so Jesus tells them these words. So we're going to stand up and we're going to read this passage of Scripture together. In John chapter 15. And, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a great passage. I just want to read it together. It's, it's page 1068 in your Bible. It's also on the screen. So let's, let's read John chapter 15, verse 1 together. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown into and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Please have a seat. A familiar passage to some of you, a fantastic passage as we seek to see God at work in our lives. The, the main word here that's repeated over and over and over again is this word, remain. Another translation is abide. 
It's mentioned eight times in the first nine verses, 11 times in the first 11 verses. Remain in me, abide in me, stay connected to me, Jesus says to his followers as he's about to to go to the cross and then into heaven. Remain, stay connected to me. And why does Jesus say that to his disciples? Why does he say that to us this morning? Because apart from him, we can do nothing. It doesn't say apart from me, you can do some things. It says we can do nothing. It doesn't say apart from me, you can do some things. You know, you can do the laundry, you can pay the bills, you can go to work, you can parent your children. It says apart from me, you can do nothing of eternal significance. You can do nothing of eternal worth. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. So if you add up the sum total of your week's activities and you put them all together of things that you did apart from Christ, the sum total equals zero. It's nothing. It's worthless. It is of no eternal value. See, when our job as it comes to seeing God in our lives is to remain in him, to stay connected to him, God's job is to produce the fruit. God's job is to produce the fruit of love and joy and peace and all those wonderful characteristics that we want in our relationships at home or in the workplace. The the fruit of love and peace and joy. And sometimes when we try to see God, we're focused on the wrong things. But Jesus says, remain in me. Our job is to abide in Christ, to remain in him, God's job is to produce fruit. Now, what if I were to ask you a question this morning, and I were to ask you the question this, hey, I want everybody here to meet me at Maple Grove Covenant Church. And I'll even be more specific, i say, hey, hey, everybody, I want you to meet me in the worship center, in the sanctuary of Maple Grove Covenant Church. How would you answer that? We're already here. We're already Here, see, sometimes what I've noticed in our pursuit to see God is that we need to run to this next activity. We need to go to this event or to this Bible study or to this thing or that thing or do our devotions or read the Bible daily or we do all these things. But all we have to do is remain. It's to acknowledge that surely God is in this place. Surely God is with us. See, sometimes we misunderstand spiritual activities with spiritual intimacy. And we do all these things, and yet we miss the end. We, we don't have the end in mind that the real pursuit is this connection, this intimacy, this connecting to the vine. Because God's job is to produce the fruit. Our job is to stay connected to the vine. And all those things like devotions or a worship service are just a means to an end, not an end in themselves. A couple of months ago, my wife mowed the lawn. And, and uh, she does that periodically, but she was off uh, mowing the lawn for a while, and she pulled out our lawnmower out of the garage, and she started yanking on, on the cord to try to get the thing started. And she's yanking, and she's yanking, and she can't get the thing started. And so uh, my uh, seven-year-old, Michaela, is kind of watching Mom, frustrated, trying to get the lawn started. And she says, Mom, I think you need to push that button. You know, that, that button. Now, my, my daughter's never mowed the lawn, but she's like, I think you need to push that button. I said, oh, my, you're right. And so she... She, she hit the primer you know, three times, just like the directions say. And then, sure enough, the thing started. See, that's what devotions are. That's what daily Bible reading, it's, it's the primer that starts the engine of our soul. 
And when we see the activities or we see a worship service as a way to prime our heart so that we can stay connected to the vine, all of a sudden, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness is evidenced in our lives. See, our role is to stay connected to the vine. It's to do these spiritual exercises, theories, activities, not as an ends in themselves, but as a means to connect to our Heavenly Father. So that as a result, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness would be evidenced in our lives. See, that's the rhythm. That's the pattern. We abide in Him. He produces the fruit. Are there, are there activities that you do in your day-to-day life that help you abide in Christ? Are there daily devotions? Are there prayer times? Are are there things that you do to help you abide in Christ? I got a friend, and and, and she prays. She has this beautiful prayer life. And that enables her to remain in Him. I got another friend that just devours the Word of God. He just studies all the time. And that enables him to abide. I got another friend that loves to look at sunsets. And the beauty of nature just just resonates in his heart. And and that helps him abide. What is it for you? What helps you connect to God so that fruit is produced in your life? For me, it's rest and exercise. Now, I know that doesn't sound too spiritual. You know, you don't, don't be alarmed. I still pray. You know, I still read. I still journal. But, but what I notice is when I, when I have a good night's rest, I'm more awake. I don't know if that is true for you, but for me, when I, when I get a good, I'm more awake. I'm more in tuned to life. And when I exercise, I got a little more energy and I'm more aware of God's presence in my life. But what is it for you? What enables you to remain connected, to be aware that surely God is here? God is with us. How can you connect to him? And it's all different. Everybody's got a personal relationship with God. And you just need to answer that question. How can I abide in him? How can I remain in him so that fruit produces in my life? Now, that's one principle, the principle of abiding in Christ that enables us to see him at work in our lives. But there's a second principle. And the second principle is close to the first. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, we read the following. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. The the New American Standard says this. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. I love that word. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. Always give yourself fully to the work. Always abound in the work of the Lord. This word abound is the Greek word parisio. And it's used to signify this overflowing. It's used to describe a flower that's a bud that that overflows into full bloom. It's abounding. It's this beautiful process of growing in intimacy with God. The message says it this way. With all that's going for us, don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, being confident that nothing that you do for him 
is a waste of time or effort. Don't hold back. Throw yourself. Abound in the work of your master. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Abound in every good work. Abide in him and abound in every good work. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has created us to abound. He has created us to work. And, and he's, create, he's given each one of us a job that he prepared since the beginning. He prepared in advance for us to do. You know, a while back I had a chance to teach on the Ten Commandments. And we had a wonderful time as a church to study the Ten Commandments. You remember the Fourth Commandment? It says, take a break. You know, six days you shall labor, and on the seventh day you shall rest. You shall remember the Sabbath. And we spent some time as a congregation remembering the Sabbath and the importance of taking a break, a 24-hour period of time, to reflect our faith in God, to express our trust in Him to provide for our daily needs. But sometimes we forget the fourth commandment is to still work six days a week, is to work hard, is to work long, is to give yourself fully to the work God has given you, is to not just kind of lackadaisically go to work, but to give yourself fully, to abound, Six days you shall labor. See, the job that you have right now is a gift from God. There are millions of people that would like to have your job. And it's a gift. And God says, I want you to give yourself fully to that work that is in front of you because that's what God has called you to. God has called you. God has gifted you. And God has filled you to do good work that he has prepared for you in advance. Does anyone know the first person that God filled with his spirit to do good work? Does anyone remember the first person that God filled with his spirit in order to do good work? I'll give you a clue. It's not Adam. It's not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not Eve. It's not Moses. And remember who the first person is? It's Bezael. Bezael. And Bezael was not a prophet. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a king. He wasn't an apostle. Bezael was a craftsman. He was good at working with his hands. And, and in Exodus, we read this about Bezael. Uh, Exodus 31, we read this. See, I have chosen Bezael, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge, and all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work with wood and engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. See, God filled an artist. He filled a craftsman with his spirit. He filled Bezael to create the tabernacle with stone and with wood and with bronze. And because this was a big job, Bezael had a strategic plan and he gathered people together and he created a work team and he did the work. And can you imagine Bezael as a young man? And maybe he had rabbi envy. You know, maybe he wanted to always be a priest or a rabbi or some teacher. And he, all, and he, couldn't, he didn't have that gift. But then all of a sudden, the Spirit fills him up in such a way as that he realizes he has a gift to give to God. It's, it's an artistic gift. It's a, it's a, it's a creative gift. It's, it's a craftsmanship. 
And all of a sudden he realizes that that's what God's called him to do. And he senses the presence and the power of God in his life as he does this good work. Can you imagine the joy that Bezalel experienced as he did the work of the Lord with his hands? What has God placed inside of you? How has God gifted you? What is the good work that God has called you to do? Because when you can answer that question, you'll see him at work in your life. You'll experience the presence and the joy of the Holy Spirit as you participate in the work that he has individually called and filled you to do. See, if you want to see God at work in life, you've got to abide. And then you've got to abound. You got to abide, you got to stay connected, you got to remain in him, and you got to abound, you got to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because as you do that, you experience the joy of his presence and participating in something much bigger than yourself. See, that's the pattern. That's the rhythm. That's the way we see God at work in our lives. And when we tap into this pattern of of abiding and abounding and abiding and abounding, we are able to sow to the Spirit and see the Spirit at work in our lives. So what do we need to do? How do we sow to the Spirit? We need to abide. And then we need to abound. Abide and abound, abide and abound. They're not mutually exclusive. They're synergistic. They move together and enable us to see God at work, in our family, in our workplaces, and in our homes. And last month, I had the privilege of of going to the Dominican Republic with a handful of people from our church. And we lived out this pattern of abiding and abounding. And I'd love for the team to come on up here. And and they're going to share a little bit about their experience. Bruce Norby is the team leader. And we had a chance to go to the Dominican Republic and experience a bit of this pattern that I'm describing this morning, this pattern of abiding and this pattern of abounding. And I've asked the team to come on up and share a little bit of their experience as a way for us to learn more how to see God at work in our lives. Bruce, can you describe to us a little bit of our partnership in the Dominican and and a little bit about our experience in the DR? Sure. How long do we have for, for that? This goes we, back a ways. We got a couple. We got okay. a couple minutes here, Bruce. So, if I was to, uh, the best way to describe how uh, all these ministries that have come to be in the Dominican Republic and how they continue to exist today, um, it would be to compare it to the story of the, the little boy in the Bible who brought his loaf and five five loaves and two fish. So he brought, he did his part, brought what he had, and you combine that with the power. An insight and vision of Jesus alongside of him. And it, it brings a ministry much beyond anything you could have ever thought or imagined. I mean, could you imagine if Jesus would try to tell, tell those disciples and that little boy what he was going to do? They, they would have laughed. And that's been kind of what the Dominican Republic has been. Back in 2002, Jim, if you could go to the next slide, um, we, we went down in 2003, we went to this little community called Via Esuerzo. And uh, the next picture shows just kind of what, what it's like down there. And we were just offering what we had as a team of 20 people who had responded to the prompting of just two people the year before who went down in 2002. And what we didn't know is that God was going to slowly but gradually build this ministry in Via Suerzo um, to something beyond much more than we could have even imagined. So you can see what it was like. It was just a dirt floor, one-room school, a one-room building with a vision with a pastor who had a heart for these people. And through the years, it just grew 
and grew as people responded to the prompting of God's Spirit through others in the church who had gone before them. And they said, I feel God's prompting me to go. And now we've got, you know, four or five churches here locally all bonded together. We've got churches across in Michigan. We've uh, partnered with the Dutch church to, to see what God wants to do in this one community and build this beacon of hope that now has 300 kids at a, at a school, a high school starting this fall, a women's co-op, and they're training leaders to tackle the challenges that the D Dominican Republic folks face. So that's it. That's God's ministry. And that's just been a history of, had we had any idea, we would have probably laughed or said, how could that happen? And through the power and abiding and abounding in what God was doing through all of us, we now see what it looks like here eight years later. The next picture is the team. So if there's probably the biggest blessing of this past trip a month ago for me, and I had no idea it would be, it would be these people. Because one thing as a leader is you never can un control what the chemistry of the group is going to be like. And for me, this was my first intergenerational trip where we're taking, you know, all ages, and you're not sure how is the chemistry going to go? How are the family dynamics going to happen? And what God showed me is the biggest concern I had going down became the biggest blessing, did it not? Where he took and showed us, this is how I intended the church to be. Each one of us has our part to play, and I'm not Caleb, and I'm not David. And, and they're going to bring to the equation all that I've gifted them to do and be on this trip. And it was a wonderful way of saying, this is how the church is supposed to be. I was also part of the trip. And one of the things I really appreciated was the, was the schedule. You know, you're up early, around 6.30, breakfast early. Then you have devotions and you go through this whole routine till about 10.30 at night. And the whole routine is to really help us to abide in Christ and abound in every good work. And I just asked Lucinda to talk a little bit about our abiding and then how she saw God in that process. Um, well, it was sort of like a little paradise as far as I'm concerned. I don't know about the rest of you, but I really struggle um, to abide every day. And um, it is set up so beautifully. We um, get up in the morning, have breakfast, and um, then we have about a half an hour um, to spend with our journal, um, which seems to every day know... Um, what God wants us to see or what we're struggling with for that day. Um, and then in the evening, we have worship time um, and large group time where we discuss and process the day. And then in this case, we broke up into two what we called family groups um, that you see, I think, up there on the screen and um, just broke it down even deeper as what we were experiencing, what we were struggling with. Um, and then in addition to that, we had um, prayer partners um, before we went to bed that we spent some time with. And um, I guess there are two um, two things I can tell you about. One night, um, Caroline Griffith was my prayer partner. And, um, you know, there's a difference in age between us. And so I had sort of a deep issue that I was struggling with one night. And the Lord was just prompting me um, to share that with her. So I did. And um, listening to her pray for that um, for me was amazing. It was very humbling. And that night I went to bed, and when I woke up in the morning, that issue was just completely gone. And um, the Lord had uh, worked through Caroline um, to do that. And then I think um, Chuck is going to share about, uh, we had a lot of rain when we were there. And um, so uh, Wednesday was supposed to be our day off. We were all looking forward to that. And plans changed as we learned to be flexible. And um, so I'm going to let Chuck talk about what happened on our um, day off, which was not to be. 
Um, just a little context. We worked two days, you know, all day, like Pastor Chad said, and then um, Wednesday was going to be our day off for a lot of good reasons, and it wasn't meant to be the, it kept raining, and so we thought, why don't we just work work through that day, and maybe Thursday we get a good day, so uh, we worked through the rain all day Wednesday also, so we were pretty pretty tired, and about, well, the end of the day, in the evening, basically, about four or five, I guess it was, all of a sudden the sand, big pile of sand appeared down on the main level. And they said, well, it needs to go up on the roof. And so <laughs> we, uh, we said, okay. And, uh, and uh, we, we started carrying it, you know, just all the way up the stairs and back down with these buckets and then, you know, it's like, no, nah, this doesn't work right. So then we started developing a line and passing the buckets up the stairs, and, and then people joined in, and it was just, uh, you know, I've been involved in that kind of stuff before. I, I like doing work, so I've seen it happen before, but to see it happen with, with the, the foundation of what we had been doing every day with the devotionals and, and the sharing and the praying, it just, it kind of was, God's love was kind of, it was kind of, built on that. I just, it wasn't like there was overjoy and everyone was so happy to be doing it because we were really tired. But there is just, there is just this, this underlying current of, of, of love and, and, and a good thing about it. So it was really, that was cool. And so there were a number of other things that we, we did as a team and uh, it was central to abide and then we abounded. And, and Chuck mentioned a little bit of the sand. I asked John just to give us kind of an overview of some of the things that we did and how you saw God. Uh, I was talking to Lisa last night about this and um, uh, something that she said to me made a lot of sense and that was just about the team that God put together. And uh, we're missing Christina and Caroline, our daughters. Uh, they were there with us as well. And... Um, you know, if someone told you that, well, you're going to go to a foreign country, you're going to pour 600 square feet of concrete with very remedial tools, it's going to be on the third floor of the building. Virtually everything you need is down on the first floor of the building. Um, and would this be the team you put together? <laughs> yeah. And in the middle of that, you're uh, doing this in the middle of a tropical depression, and it's raining about six or seven inches every day. And, and so the answer, of course, is no, you wouldn't do that. This would not be the squad that you would pick uh, to go down there. Uh, but this is the squad that God picked, and that's what made it terrific, to see... Um, you know, kids and, uh, and women uh, working side by side, old guys that are out of shape. Uh, I'll never forget a picture of Grant carrying a 100-pound bag of concrete by himself up three floors. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so, not to be outdone, David and Caleb said, we can do this. And they, they, they got on, on one bag, on, on a 100-pound bag, and they struggled with that thing up uh, a flight of stairs. And I, I don't think they quite made it to the third floor, but they, they got a long ways. And um, it just it ties into me what that, uh, a team of people did a long time ago and about how God puts together people. And, uh, you know, in our family, it was prompted, you know, God really was talking to Lisa about doing this. And 
to be able to go as a family uh, was a really a cool thing. And um, so as God starts to put together the next team, I just really, really want to encourage you to think about, you know, you may not think that you're the right person to go down there. Well, this is the team that went down there and did this incredibly hard work. I don't remember working that hard in my life ever, but through hard work, as we all know, great things happen and great things did happen in our lives and at the church. So think about it. Think really, really, really hard about you being on one of the next teams that are going to go. And in addition to construction, uh, David Griffiths is going to talk a little bit about what we did with uh, our, our kids, our kids club in the morning. I'm nervous, so just throwing it out there. Not too bad, but um, so kids club is really neat. There's a hundred little kids. They speak zero words of English about. Maybe they know hello. And so um, it's a kind of a struggle. I thought I knew Spanish until I was like, como te amas? And Bidup! Oh, well, hello. And so uh, it's fast, and it was a challenge, but I learned a lot. And so it was, it was really good. There's a lot of kids down there, and they, um, they love God, and they loved, they loved you. They, they didn't know your name. They just knew you were the big Americano, and they, were just, they just loved you. It was, just, it was just so cool. And their love for God was incredible, just seeing them do songs and watching them watch skits, and just, they just loved it. And the, the crafts were a challenge, but they really liked it having their cross and all the other little stuff we made. And uh, two stories I kind of got out of it um, that have stuck with me just very strongly is um, I was kind of walking around, me and some of the other little kids out on the street, and uh, some older kids, they're probably about 10 or 11, came running out, and they were like, Americano, Americano, and they wanted to show off their English. They're like, my name is, and they said, like, whoa, yeah, sweet man. And then, um, they, so they were like, then they were like, as 10-year-olds do, showing me, you know, cuts they have. Like, yeah, check it out, hardcore. And like, yeah. And so then they're showing them us, like, on their, on their feet. They're like, hey, look at this, look at this. Like, oh. And it's like a all just gravel road, just sharp rocks everywhere. I was like, oh, dude, you need shoes. And looks up, he's like, we don't have shoes. Like, oh. So that, and it was just like, oh, way to go. And so it just kind of made me think and just... These kids, have, they don't have shoes. We're spending hundreds of dollars on shoes, and they, they, they can't have a 25-cent piece of like, rubber sandals or anything. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. A happy story was um, uh, the kids, they're, they're so happy for each other, and just, um, they're just, they're just so happy. Their clothes are they're just English written on their clothes. So you know it's donated. They don't know what they're saying. How much do we pay for a brand? And they have words that they don't understand on their shirts. And um, so they, they, they're just so happy for each other and for, for you. And um, there's this one of the just 12 kids down there named Manuel. One of them was riding on me like a piggyback ride. And I was just doing little, like, horse noises. And, like, he, he was, it seemed like he was at Valley Fair. He was just screaming and loving it. And so we walk by, and there's probably 10 kids kind of standing around over this side. And he yells out in Spanish, this is my horse, this is my horse. And they all just started screaming and jumping up and down. Just thought it was so cool. And this, like, kind of just treated him like a celebrity because he was on the, the horse. That's me. <laughs> and so um, that was just neat because, like, how, I mean, I know if I was little, I'd just be like, let me up there. I don't want to do that. But they were just really happy for him that he got to do that. So just kind of some stuff to take away from it, stuff that I learned. We, we had some work to do. Uh, we, we did some construction. Uh, we, we did some kids' ministry. And it was a lot of fun.
And there was great joy. And we experienced God's presence together as a community, uh, serving others and abiding in Christ, having these times of worship and prayer and devotions. And we, we were changed as a result of our time in the Dominican Republic. And one of the moments for me was, 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 was towards the end of our experience in the DR. I just had this sense of, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be part of this team. And it was kind of like that sense when, like, when you watch the Olympics and, and an Olympic athlete from the U.S. wins a gold medal, you're like, you know, I'm kind of proud to be an American. And it was, that was kind of like it was for me. Like, during some of the challenges of the construction or some of the beautiful moments with the kids, I just says, you know what, God, I am so proud to be the pastor of Maple Grove Covenant Church. I, I'm so humbled to consider myself the pastor of this great work that this group is doing and that you have done. Those of you that participate in the Dominican Republic missions trip over the years, just like you to raise your hand just real quick. If you've ever gone on a Dominican Republic trip, it's because of your work, your insight, your commitment to the work of God that we got to participate in the movement of Jesus, that we got to abound in that work in the Dominican Republic. And if you're interested in joining the team, if you're interested in going down there, you know, talk to the people that raise your hand, talk to anybody here, you know, a slide's going to show when the next trip. And then right outside these doors to the left is the Dominican Republic team. And they all have an answer to the question, how was your trip? So you can ask anybody here how their trip was. And they'll give you a little answer about the ways that they saw God at work in their lives. So if you're interested, love for you to consider going on one of these next trips. But let's give it up for this team as they represented us in the Dominican Republic. You know, I'd love to duplicate that trip for everybody here. Now, we can't do that, right? We can't duplicate that trip. I mean, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime deal almost, where, where you live together, you eat together, you don't have to worry about food or transportation, and you just abide and abound and abide. But we can't duplicate or replicate that trip. But you know what we can do right here in Maple Grove, Minnesota? We can abide, and we can abound. We can abide in Christ. We can remain in him in such a way that his fruit is produced in our lives. And we can give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because the work that you're doing in your office tomorrow is no different than the construction work that we did in the Dominican Republic. And the work that you're doing at home with your children is no different than ministering to the children in the Dominican Republic. Because God is present everywhere. And as we give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord that he has given us to do, we experience his presence and his joy and we see him. Do you know in the Bible that just about everybody had a job? And most of them were secular jobs. You know, David worked in the military. Jacob was a rancher. Jesus was a carpenter. They all had different jobs to do. And as they did their jobs, they experienced God's joy and God's peace because he created us to abound. He created us to abound in every good work. So if you want to see God, just repeat after me. I'm going to abide. Say abide. Abide. I'm going to abound. Say abound. Abound. That's the rhythm. That's the pattern. Abide and abound. Abide and abound. That's the way we see God at work in our lives. There's a story about a guy that really loved to work. He loved going to work every day. In fact, he would get up in the morning and in his shower, he would sometimes uh, psych himself up by yelling, Focus! 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 And he loved going to work because he loved getting the job done. He loved working on a team. And he loved seeing his teammates grow in their capacities. 
And, and then uh, towards the end of his career, as he was investing in teammates, as he was doing great work and just enjoying his work, he came to the point of retirement. And so his friends asked him, hey, how are you going to retire? Are you going to retire on age 60, 65, 70? He says, you know, he kind of went through the Bible and he says, I don't, I don't see the Bible you know, saying anything about retirement. So he kept working and working. And then eventually cut down to part-time, but still, still enjoying his work, finding great joy in solving problems, finding great joy in working with the team and investing in others and producing things. In fact, his children saw him work, and they realized that work is a gift from God. And they saw him giving himself fully to the work that God has given him to do. And then towards the end of his life, his workmates and his family gathered around his Last days. And, and one of the things that he said at the end of his life was this. I wish I could have spent more time at the office. I wish I could have given myself more fully to the work God has given to me. Now, I don't know where that saying came that we sometimes quote. No one comes to the end of their life and says, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. Because some people do. Some people that realize that we are to abide and abound. It's this pattern, it's this rhythm that we can give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord as we remain in him. He does a work in us so that we can give ourselves fully to the work. That's what God's called us to be. That's how we will see him at work in our lives. Can you see him? Can you see him in your family? Can you see him in your workplace? Can you see him in your neighborhood? Would you be willing this week to abide in him and abound in every good work that he has prepared in advance for you to do? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the clarity in your word and the principles we find in it to connect with you, to remain in you, and to participate in your work in this world. We thank you for wonderful experiences of the Dominican Republic. We pray your blessing over Pastor Pharaoh and the church and the World Servants team. And I pray your blessing over us, that you, Holy Spirit, would do a work inside of us so that we could remain in you and do the work that you've called us to do, to experience that joy of abounding in every good work that you have prepared for us to do. So, Heavenly Father, we give you our lives, we we commit ourselves to you, and we ask that your will would be done and that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Praying all this in Jesus' name. Amen.